Looking to get away but hate packing? Rent the Runway's new partnership with W Hotels wants to make your next trip suitcase-free. Meanwhile, Old Navy is teaming up with Postmates to deliver same-day orders this holiday season. And this just in, Kroger and Walgreens want to cut supplier costs by purchasing products together. We've got the scoop and more on today's episode. It's Monday, December 16th, and this is your Retail Rundown. Our guests today include Paula Rosenblum and Brandon Ryle. Paula is a top retail industry analyst and managing partner and co-founder at Retail Systems Research. Paula also serves on the Rethink Retail Advisory Council. Brandon is an experienced retail strategy and operations expert and the director of A&M's Consumer and Retail Practice. Brandon, Paula, thank you both for joining today. My pleasure. My pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. This week is all about brand partnerships. Some interesting bits of news have come out in the coming weeks. So Rent the Runway, they're partnering with Marriott. They want to make sure you never have to pack again, so to speak. So the high-end clothing subscription service partnered with Marriott W Hotels to bring what they're calling its closet concierge to your next vacation or cross-country conference. They launched in select W Hotels in Aspen, South Beach, D.C., and Hollywood, and guests who book a room in advance are sent an offer to choose from four outfits from their unlimited closet collection. So the cost of a four-day rental package is $69, and the hotel will send the choices to the hotel prior to your arrival. So the rented clothing is hung in the room by the hotel staff and later returned to rent the runway by the hotel. So all you have to do is check in, your clothes that you selected will be there, and then check out and leave the clothes in the room. Paula, what do you think of Rent the Runway's vision of packingless travel? And do you see this concept becoming a new retail trend? Honestly, I kind of don't. And the reason is if the online return rate for apparel is north of 30%, and so the chances of the uh, vacationer actually liking what's dropped off uh, is only about, let's say, 70%. I mean, if it's a loyal Rent the Runway customer who's familiar with the brands they sell and knows the fit and styling, et cetera, et cetera, then maybe there's a better chance. But just as a naked concept, it's risky. Plus, what if you change your mind? What if you break your leg and you have to have a cast? There's various things that make me think it's kind of niche at best. I mean, I probably should go over to South Beach and ask them at the W how it's running for them. <laughs> but uh, I don't see it personally. Okay, so you're, you're a little apprehensive about the success. Brandon, are you in the same page with Paula, or do you disagree? I, I somewhat disagree. I think uh, it has the ability to scale and to be successful, certainly in a niche. If you look at the markets, obviously, they're more tourist-centric and focused on uh, particular customer set that is used to rent the runway and the operations. But again, it comes down to execution and the, the right choices uh, for the customer. To like, like Paula said, the return rate is pretty high for online uh, shopping. And uh, it's all about creating experiences and knowing the customer. It requires a lot of analytics and insights and it all comes down to executing it properly to avoid any potential public relations hiccups, which rent the runway experience of their own. Mm-hmm. model think about a month ago when their um, essential operations went down. So from a PR perspective, it definitely generates a lot of interest in the brand and shows it somewhat scalable in certain markets, but the success rate depends on the execution and uh, the choices they provide their customers. You know, maybe if they added, if you're going for four days and they sent you six outfits, then it would work because then you could pick the one that you like the best. In other words, you'd want to make it broader than 
the actual number of outfits they need. That might work. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a number of applications. Maybe they have a you know more formal event and they don't want to pack an expensive dress or suit, you know, whatever it may be into a bag. So they have four options. But this, you know, $69 price point, I'm not sure if that's for everyone, but I, it seems reasonable. If you're staying at the W, it's certainly reasonable. Right. Exactly. It's a very curated uh, selection of hotels and, and locations, which are really focus on the tourist traveler. So I think, again, it, it will resonate with the right customers if it comes down to maybe perhaps additional choices and the right selection of products and execution, avoiding, again, any social media backlash like that happened last time. Mm-hmm. I think there's also an opportunity here for influencer marketing. Influencers tend to travel a lot. Brands could you know, maybe work with Rent the Runway to get theirs sent to influencers on location for photo shoots and things like that. I think it's always a room for uh, growth in the influence space and it have a really good positive effect if it goes well for Rent the Runway for Marriott and their brand to meet, of course, marketing opportunities for the hotel company. If the execution's right and the, the branding goes well and customers are happy with it, it could be a good extension of the Marriott brand, uh, and they can roll it out and scale it beyond these four markets. So it sounds like, Brandon, you said it all depends on execution and, and the choice, uh, the market selection where they implement this program. And Paul, you said the rate of online returns is very high. Yeah, but if you gave them, you know, if you think about it and, and you gave them more choices, assuming you could do that profitably, it might work. And I did read, it's interesting, just rent the runway in general. I know they've had a couple hiccups here and there this year, but their partnership with Nordstrom seems to be expanding. That happened last month. And now there are actually drop-off boxes for rental returns in almost 25% of Nordstrom's full-price stores nationwide. Yeah, I think for, for Nordstrom, it's a win-win proposition. It draws more traffic to the stores. That partnership really is going to help both brands out, both from a strategy and fulfillment perspective. It could really resonate in the right market. So most of us make the right moves in the, in the marketplace right now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. The next odd but sensical um, partnership is with Old Navy and Postmates. So they're teaming up to help meet the consumer demand this holiday season for fast and free shipping. So it's a, a limited time from December 21st to the 23rd. You will be able to order online from Old Navy and have Postmates deliver the item same day for free. And this offer will be in more than 4,000 U.S. cities where Postmates operates, and they will continue to work with Old Navy through the end of January uh, for a fee for $8.99. So a spokesperson for the carrier said they're exploring the longer-term opportunities with the retailer. And Brandon, I just wanted to ask you, do you foresee same-day delivery with these other services bringing in a surge of last-minute holiday shoppers that Old Navy is trying to attract? It could potentially bring in. I think retailers are really seeking any competitive advantage during the short holiday season. And uh, essentially, the fulfillment wars, like I call it, uh, have become the holy grail for retailers where they continue to use their stores as a potential way to fulfill products the same day. Obviously, with things like uh, buying line pickup in store, otherwise known as BOPIS, and becoming industry standard, Old Navy is playing catch up here with their partnership with Postmate. It certainly will drive some interest in perhaps incremental traffic to the Old Navy stores. But the bottom line is the Old Navy needs to continue to drive the proper assortment, the pricing, the value the customer's looking for. Again, execution is part of the, the strategy here. So everything has to play in concert with each other. I think uh, same-day delivery has uh, become the industry standard of buying online ticket in store. But again, it has to be a seamless shopping experience online and ticket in store, but also the right products, the right place, the right time, the right value. 
it could potentially be uh, an opportunity uh, make a long term to grow Old Navy. Mm-hmm. So pretty positive then about the idea that Old Navy might be able to have some success come out of this. What about you, Paula? Yeah, I do. I mean, Postmates is an interesting choice because they are in some ways the runt of the litter when it comes to restaurant delivery. But they're also relatively unique in that they've actually worked with other kinds of retailers before. I was in Brooklyn about mm, a year ago, I think, and I was getting a cold. And for me, I panicked because I need to take zinc right away as soon as I get there. And I was in some hotel under the Brooklyn Bridge, and there was no place to find it. And sure enough, Postmates was able to deliver. So they're actually used to delivering things besides clothes. The challenges I see is Old Navy's going in position is 50% off. So right. adding more cost <laughs> to their products as opposed to more cost of goods sold is kind of a problem for them. The other advantage, forgetting about same day or not same day, I don't know if you've ever seen Old Navy on a, when they start one of those sales, but the place is a zoo. Mm-hmm. And so if a customer can avoid going to that zoo, that's great for the customer, whether it's same day or next day. But on the flip side, given how zooish it does become, will the shopper be actually able to find what the customer was looking for and deliver it successfully? So they're going to have to probably either increase or stash some inventory for this purpose, and it's going to be challenging year one to make it right. Year two, I expect, will be better than year one. But I like it in concept. I think same-day delivery is really niche I always have. I kind of always will. But the notion of just this is what I want. I don't want to deal with the store, and I'm afraid or whatever reason I don't want to have the package sitting at my house, outside my house with Postmates. You get a lot better communication around when they're coming and what time, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I'm in agreement, uh, Paul. I think it's this partnerships maybe testing a learning experience year one and they'll be able to test and understand what the challenges are. I think the challenge is whether it require expanded assortments in store and essentially have the online catalog available in a majority of the larger stores so it can be uh, available for the shoppers. So, uh, but it's certainly scalable, could be successful in the long term. I think they'll have to learn and understand uh, things that can do a post-mortem at the holidays, see how successful it was and what was the impact of their profitability and the bottom line of increasing the cost Mm -hmm. And I think that's key because you both made the point that Old Navy is already sells a lot of their merchandise at a discount, a heavy discount. So they should stock up on inventory. Like Paula said, I know I had a guest on the show the other day uh, who mentioned, you know, speculated money retailers stocked up more on inventory this year because of the potential for the tariffs. So perhaps it will go well, but it does. You know, I know it's only a three day ish window when they're offering the free Postmates, but $8.99 seems reasonable. And I'll be interested to see if that price point stays the same throughout next year. Yeah. I mean, listen, I know a lot of people, including me, who'd pay $8.99 even in the holiday season, not to have to go out to the store and to support other merchants besides the 900 pound gorillas. (laughs) That's a good point. And uh, so we, our team looked up the number and actually the number of people who have ordered clothing items through Postmates grew 60% year over year. So it's pretty significant growth. So the consumer behavior is definitely driving this. I think people will use it. But like you guys said, price is always a concern. Retail is a business. Yeah, I mean, it's not a charity. And and, uh, I don't know that because there's been this big shift over at Gap 
most recently. I don't know whose idea this was. And they, what they can do, if it was, let's say, the idea of the former CEO, set expectations nice and low with shareholders, and then develop a plan to tee up for next year that really does help them drive both top and bottom line results. True. They've got to get out of this 50% off thing. This is not healthy for anybody or anything. It's it's training everybody badly. So the bar of expectations pretty low, Paul. Right? Going in there, you're expecting a you know, really cheap value. But they have to sell the quality, sell the experience, sell uh, what the brand really means beyond 50% off. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the last partnership we'll cover is the grocery-focused one, so Kroger and Walgreens. To reduce supplier costs, Kroger and Walgreens are forming their own purchasing group. So the Kroger-Walgreens Retail Procurement Alliance is what it's called, and this will allow the retailers to determine which of their products overlap and then combine their orders. So the alliance is paving a way for them to determine if Kroger and Walgreens can begin manufacturing products for each other in-house, and they're actually inviting other retailers to get in on the deal too. So last week, their CFO, uh, Gary Millerchip, told CNBC they hope other retailers will join in with their alliance. Paula, are there any drawbacks facing these retailers as they're forming this purchasing If alliance? it's branded goods, they're not going to gain any efficiencies at all. There's a law called the Robinson-Patman Act, and that says that anybody who can buy a truckload of product should be paying the same price as anybody else who can buy a truckload of product. Now, clearly, in the Walmart slash Amazon era, we know that that law is not strongly enforced. However, one of the reasons why you see things packaged the way you do at Costco, for example, Mm -hmm. where there's two boxes of ravioli shrink-wrapped together, that's because it becomes a different skew and they can sell it to Costco at a different price than they would sell it to a traditional retailer. So for branded product, that's actually a real issue, and I don't see how they get any economies of scale. If the goal is to create a group private label, they get around the Robinson-Patman Act, but then the question becomes, why is this better than some other product at some other company? You know, traditionally, particularly with chain drug, let's say you buy generic allergy pills. They're put in these torturous blister packs that are almost unopenable versus the brand. You know, the only difference I can see between the brand and the, of, let's say, Allegra and the private label is that you need some kind of a sharp object to pop the Allegra out of the private label one, right? right. So you have to create some level of interest and differentiation, and then it becomes kind of interesting. You know, I mean, I have bought Kirkland, which is Costco brand, on Amazon. I don't know if Costco's doing that or if there's a jobber in the middle, but they have to create brand equity. You don't just snap your fingers. I think Walmart learned this the hard way mm, six years ago or so when they decided to stop selling hefty bags and some other brands and, and focus much more on their own private label. The problem was they hadn't really created brand equity around that private label. And so customers revolted. On the flip side, you get somebody like Publix who spent the whole recession touting their private label and doing promotions like buy a national brand and get one of our brands for free. And Mm -hmm. they built a tremendous amount of brand equity around their private label. So that's another challenge, assuming that they really do create a private brand rather than a a national brand, rather than using a national brand. They've got to create some level of cachet around that brand, and that's going to cost money, and 
increased costs for some period of time. Mm -hmm. So brand equity definitely will be a challenge. And then like you said, there's some legal aspects to this. Brandon, what are your thoughts? I think it's uh, like Paula said, it's going to be a challenge from a legal perspective. I think it's also going to be a challenge from an organizational perspective. I think jewelry large companies are they're really trying to compete and challenge now with Amazon dominating the marketplace, but also with Target going increasingly a level of private labeling, uh, label brands and, and options they have out there. So this could potentially be successful if it's focused and concentrated on the private labeling and the, and the brand equity through the synergies that form between the two brands. It's going to be a store within a store concept within a Kroger, like a mini Walgreens section or a Kroger-like environment within a, a Walgreens store with a mini pop-ups or a section. So any kind of cross-brand marketing or branding, they can certainly take advantage of that. But uh, there will be inherent costs and other considerations that they try to synergize it too quickly. I think if they focus purely on private labeling and, and try to develop something unique and exclusive to the new brands, then it could be successful. Mm-hmm. So could they use the Walgreens Nice brand and just start distributing those through Kroger, or is that not possible with the legal aspect? If, if I was Kroger, I don't know why I would do that. Yeah, they're going to compete with themselves or cannibalize their business uh, that way. It's just trying to understand this from the surface. It seems very reactionary considering the marketplace right now. So I'm not seeing the uh, upfront value of this. Maybe it's going to be a long-term strategy here in play that we're not aware of. The big challenge is you don't build the brand in 15 minutes. I don't know how much brand equity um, uh, Walgreens private label brand actually has. I just don't know, long and the short of it. I think it all depends on the level of product innovation and the uniqueness that will come out of this collaboration. Again, the focus has to be on private label brands, and that's become the standard area in the marketplace with Amazon and also Target and Walmart. So I think it's it's becoming increasingly prevalent. So perhaps the end game is with these two companies. Mm-hmm. So you're saying it could be a smart long play here. Do you think it's sincere when they say they hope other retailers will join the alliance? Well, sure. If they're trying to build a brand, why wouldn't they be? Mm-hmm. And just speculating, what kind? who do you think it would make sense to join Kroger and Walgreens together? Did they specify what products they were going to be building? I didn't see that anywhere. I did the research. I don't see uh, what products or what they're going to be focusing on. They did reference both their private label brands and try to meet the evolving needs of the customer and the industry. So so that's the initial strategy going into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't see any specific categories of products mentioned. Correct. So then I, you know, I, I don't know how long the road is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't know. It's too soon to tell as far as I can see. Well, take a way, way into the approach as far as I'm concerned. Like I said, you don't build a brand in five minutes. That's for sure. Now, if they take the Kroger brand and they put it in Walgreens, they take the Walgreens brand and they put it in Kroger, does that add excitement? I don't know. At that point, I think it's the key of success here is really to market and brand the heck out of this so the customer has an awareness that this is actually right. happening. And it's something new and exciting and exclusive to those brands, and it could make an impact, I mean, whether it's through social channels or traditional advertising or in-store signage, but something has to be out there to an beyond just a, a PR statement that this is actually happening. And here's the advantages to you, the customer, and here's the excitement around this and the exclusive products you'll get from this partnership. Yeah, it could work. But we'll have to wait and see. Wait and see. A new alliance. Well, Brandon and Paula, thank you both for joining and commenting on the partnerships that we talked about today. It was really good to hear your insights. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure, and uh, happy holidays. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Thanks for joining. Happy holidays. 
And one last note, this is for our listeners who represent a retailer or a brand. If you would like to join a small panel of executives at our upcoming Rethink Retail Dinner in New York City this January, that's at the same time as NRF's big show, please reach out to me at julia at rethink.industries for more information or to be considered. I encourage you to apply and note that spots are limited. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. That's this week's Retail Rundown. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show us some love by subscribing, reviewing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.